Have you ever wondered what goes bump in the night? What could be lurking round the corner? What shadows are waiting for us in the dark? Why we feel like we are being watched by the mysterious eyes of an unknown entity? When all rational explanations have been exhausted it only leaves one explanation the paranormal take a journey into the realm of the paranormal with your hosts damon penny and ben winfield we explore all things paranormal from mediums to apparitions from orbs to the occult from demons to angels and everything in between so strap in and join us as we explore into the unknown and don't forget things can get a little strange the other dimension show on pulse talk radio welcome along it's that time again it's your saturday night paranormal fix and it's the other dimension show and boy have we got one for you tonight really really excited we are talking cryptids tonight Beasts, monsters, and mermaids. Oh yeah, that's how we're rolling tonight, boys and girls. So, so excited for this one. It's going to be so great. We're joined by the legend, Bob Anthony, tonight. So, it's going to be an amazing show. Shout out to everyone on the Discord. Don't forget, if you want to join the Discord, the links are all up there on our Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash TOD Paranormal. Head over to there. We've got our unofficial PA uh, controlling the chat tonight. So, all of our messages will be answered also guys the patreon is blowing up it's been going crazy people seem to think you can go over to patreon and you have to pay to listen straight away it's not the way it works you can download the patreon app and you can follow us for nothing and you get all the shows but if you want that bonus show if you want the monthly free book if you want the knowledge bombs that ben's going to be dropping for you on patreon all you have to do is sign up three pound a month which is the cost, like I said on my post, of a burger, chips and a drink from McDonald's once a month and you get an extra hour show, you get a monthly book and you get some exclusive information. But that's all we have for the housekeeping. Don't forget guys, the podcast is available across all the places where you get your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, um, Google Play, your Spreaker, it's available everywhere. So there's no excuse not to listen to us. It's as simple as that. So let's get on with the show. Let's bring him on, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Ben Winfield, and our special guest tonight, Mr. Bob Anthony. How you doing, guys? Welcome along. You're good. good. Now, we're talking cryptids. Now, like I said before the show, I'm probably going to be very quiet during the show because I know absolutely sod all about cryptids, but I'm here to learn. So let's get into this now when we talk about cryptids we've got to get the main ones out of the way and we you got to get bigfoot lock nets and the chupacabra so what are your take on them three mr bob all right well we can start with bigfoot so i'm 30 miles east of seattle in the snoqualmie valley and in this area the word for bigfoot is saskets that's the traditional word and the traditional belief, the old indigenous belief here, involves the interdimensional theory. Now, in the native language, they don't, they don't say interdimensional. 
but the belief is that this supernatural being lives in a world next to ours and at certain points will reveal himself show himself uh, on certain occasions and so there is uh disagreement i guess within the bigfoot community uh, whether it's a flesh and blood creature or whether it's a spiritual being a lot of people are in different camps and they kind of disagree with each other you know um but that what i just shared with you is the old belief and i tend to uh, fall into that camp so i believe bigfoot is a spiritual being yeah that can become physical when it wants to show itself so interesting so so interesting I've never I think thought David of it. Blown the fuse there. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm 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 straight on screensaver mode, and we've only just started. Straight up. <laughs> so, I heard a rumor, Bob, that Bigfoot could be could be right now. I say could be, yeah, because I'm 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 talking about Google searching now, because that's about as far as my cryptid knowledge goes, right? <laughs> um, could be a descendant of the Nephilim. What's your take on that? Hmm. I've heard that before. Uh, there's a woman in town that talked about that. There was a sighting in her neighborhood. Uh, all the kids at the cul-de-sac saw this nine foot tall thing with red eyes. And at the time she was researching the Nephilim. Um, as far as I'm concerned, um, there's phenomenon all over the world and there are different names in different languages, different cultures for the same thing. Um, and so I think it's very possible that that is another uh, explanation in a different cultural uh, you know, lens, through a different cultural lens for the same phenomenon. Yep. yep. Definitely, definitely. And then- What do you think, Ben? Um, I am very much, I think we and you have spoke about this before, Bob. Uh, I am very much on the same line with you and always have been. There's, when it comes, obviously, you know yourself, when you come to the Native American tribes, they have a lot of tales when it comes to that, be it the mm-hmm. Sasquatch, be it the Skinwalkers, uh, the Ant people. Um, you've got more history with them, but these guys had a, a tendency of marking down what they saw. And they, they went into detail and still have detail of tribal like knowledge being passed down in very, very fine detail. So I think what I think it has to be taken on value with what it says. When you're looking at the native anything that's native to anywhere. Mm-hmm. So what are we saying? We're saying like Bigfoot is more connected to the Native American side of things. I know there obviously are um sightings of these they're almost like when people describe them they talk like almost like oversized cavemen and i know I, I can't remember the name of it but when it comes to bigfoot there was a very famous recording uh, made um of bigfoot and it was about i remember hearing it, it was this guy was sort of like mimicking the sounds and it was mimicking it back um and i can't remember where it was it's completely gone <laughs> was that Colorado Ridge, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Joe, that might be it. Yeah, it could be uh, Yeah, the Colorado recordings. Uh, basically, I, I can let you in on a little bit of information I have regarding 
the sounds that people have recorded. And I've also had a personal experience with, and I could share that with you. So we live in Washington state, which is a hotbed. We're in the Cascade mountains. There are tons of sightings here. I mean, this is, everybody knows that. Um, just down the road in 1988, I was walking to town with a group of friends and we turned left and walking along the Snoqualmie Valley uh, trail and right in the brush, right next to us, just without warning, this uh, sound, this unearthly sound came out of the brush about 10 or 15 feet away. And it was high pitched, but it was also very low at the same time. Wow. And it was unearthly. And, this, and the vibration that I will describe, it basically like penetrated like my, my rib cage. And I could feel this vibration hit me in such a strange way that just was not normal. And so all three of us just took off running. We were totally freaked out. Now, later when we started to research and listen to recordings of folks that had supposedly recorded Sasquatch, it sounded very, very similar to what we heard that day. And many other sightings in the area, we, my wife and I collect uh, encounters in this neighborhood here, in this area. And so many other people have reported high-pitched and very low at the same time, but unearthly and able to vibrate or almost penetrate, you know, the body, like the skull, you feel like vibrate, almost like electricity. And that is something um, that's very worth noting, I think. So ha have you heard that before? Yeah, it's a bit, is it a bit like, you know, when you get a motorbike go past you with loud, loud exhaust, when you feel your whole body vibrate from the pipes going off on the bike? That's a good one. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's great. I never thought of that analogy, but that works. Yep. So yeah, like yeah, go on, Ben. So I've, I've, obviously, I've, I've heard many cases of noises like that being held, because you obviously, you have the connections with, like, um, Oh, I'm trying to think of names here. You had the hobbits in China. They're supposed to be another breed of Bigfoot. Obviously, you have Yeti. Again, they all seem to have this trait of the exact same sort of noise that Bob's described. Hmm. Uh, it's no matter where you go around the world, they've got different names. Um, I think one of the most famous photos I've always seen was, um, is it the skunk ape in Florida? There's a very famous photograph of the red of it moving away. Uh, looked like basically like a orangutan. Mm -hmm. I think you may have That's seen that, that, that one, Bob. That'll be on Bob's. Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. The term skunk ape is definitely a southern term. So in the swamp area, like Florida and Georgia and that kind of thing. So um, that's definitely a regional term for, for Sasquatch. And, you know, skunk ape, swamp ape, uh, the odor. Let's bring up the odor because a lot of times um, it's very well documented that uh, preceding the sighting or during the sighting smells like a rotten animal, a dead dog, or there's this foul, foul odor. So especially in the swamp ape or skunk ape sightings in Florida, for sure. Yep. And here too. And here too. Crazy. Crazy. Mate, seriously, my mind is blown. We've been live for 11 minutes, and I'm like, mouth open, nipples hard. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have, lie, that, effect. I have oh. that effect on people. 
Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Bob. This is this is a pure example of British humour. <laughs> it's bad, isn't it? It's bad. <laughs> now, Ben mentioned because we we had a chat like off air about cryptids and Bigfoot and that, and he mentioned something about a tunnel system and how it links to Bigfoot. Can you sort of elaborate on that for us, please, Bob? All right. Um, there are some theories out there, especially Vancouver Island. Uh, you can find some information online, but supposedly there are caves that connect under Vancouver Island to the mainland. And some of the stories, the folklore, talk about a migration. So um, these beings live in another world, but it's also a, a, a subterranean world. And there's certain times of year when they migrate. And I know that sounds pretty complex, uh, but there is a famous, uh, you can look this up, it's well documented. There's a famous uh, story uh, of a British Columbia man who uh, basically went to this other dimension and went through the cave system, but he was in another world. It was like he went in through a portal um, and he was, you know, kept there for like three days. It's a famous story. So you can look that up. I think his name was Albert, if I remember right. Albert something. I can't remember his mm. name off the top of my head, but it's all over the internet. So just Google it. You'll find it right away. But the, the idea is that he actually went to this other dimension. And um, over in North Carolina, South Carolina, there are lots of cave systems in Tennessee and Kentucky and that kind of thing. So there are theories about um, these underground uh, regions now you you've heard of Lemuria right you've heard of Mount Shasta I mean yeah. there are whole religious groups out there who believe in supernatural beings that live in an underground city under uh, Mount Shasta in Northern California and also wow. subterranean realms under Mount Rainier and so there are some newer beliefs that have mixed with kind of the old uh, and there are whole religions out there which include you know Sasquatch and communication with these other beings that live uh, under the ground. Um, that's just kind of the introduction. I know it's uh, kind of a broad uh, answer, but it kind of gives you the idea of, I guess, sort of the belief systems, uh, you know, in this area. So it's crazy, crazy. Ben, did you say something about missing children or missing people, um, and to link with yeah. Sasquatch and the caves? <laughs> Yeah, you can basically lay over three maps in America. You've got the map of the cave network that they know of. Yeah. That Then you get the map of missing people tends to coincide with all the, where the cave entrance are all said to be. Hmm. And then you've got the third map, which is usually, if I'm correct on this one, Bob, is where all the Sasquatch sightings are. And they're all within close proximity, a lot of them, of where these cave systems are supposed to be. Hmm. Crazy. Yep. So we're talking that like familiar. Mm-hmm. we're talking like a hollow earth theory here. Is that what we're talking about with all these cave systems? It's like sort of like interdimensional uh, beings. Are we talking hollow earth theory here? The fact that there are a complete subcategory of, of humans living in the hollow part of the earth. Is that what we're talking about here? We could be talking about that. Yeah, it just depends on what cultural background you're coming from. So, again, the the older belief is is a separate belief. Like, it's, it's different. But, like, sort of the new age, 
the Lemurian, the, the belief in uh, the underground city, that, that tends to be post-1940s. So wow. the Richard Shaver mystery, the Shaver mystery, that's the mechanic that was, while he was working in Detroit, Michigan, began hearing voices coming from the hollow earth and he received messages and they revealed themselves as the tarot and the darrow. And they're two opposing uh, forces, good and evil that are fighting underneath the earth. And so mm. that is the hollow earth. And that, that appeared in amazing stories magazine. So a lot of that belief, the hollow earth is post 19, I want to say 1946 is when cool. that was first published in amazing stories, the shaver mystery. And so anything after 1946, that's that's definitely influenced by uh, Richard Shaver, who had these experiences uh, communicating. But anything before 1946, you're talking about, you know, more of the indigenous, you know, native beliefs of this continent, I guess. So, yeah, man, Bob knows his stuff, man. I'm impressed. I'm you. impressed, man. He is. He is my walking legend when it comes to Sasquatch. <laughs> Wow. Well, let's put him out. Let's put him out of his comfort zone, right? Now, when you talk about sightings of cryptids and cryptoids, a lot, it seems, I I might be wrong here, but I read 64% of sightings of cryptids are dogs. You know, you've got chubacabras, um, greens. I mean, what's your take on that, Bob, with, with that sort of statistic? So you're talking about dog sightings, like yeah, um, like you know, I like um, like in large dogs, where you get dogs with, with, with blood red eyes, and like dogs that are walking on their back legs. Like it seems right. to be the trend, almost. Okay, yeah. Well, you have Bray Road, you know, in the Midwest. You've heard of that, the Beast of Bray Road, and then over in this area, you have Guardians. So, and they are dog men that walk upright. Now, where there are sacred places, where there are burial. Uh, sites where there are, you know, ceremonial sites that are ancient. Um, there are dogmen. And, you know, the show Twilight, you're probably familiar with that, you know, that phenomenon Twilight, and they have the werewolves and all that. Well, actually, that is based on the tribal beliefs of the Olympic Peninsula. And there are, um, there was like a, a, a secret society uh, pre-contact, you know, and they would initiate people into the wolf society. And so they would train them with wolf power, spirit power, that kind of thing. So to this day, when people are encroaching or walking in areas that they shouldn't be, and they're offending those ancestors, or they're you know upsetting those ancestors, these wolf uh, beings will show themselves. And they're, gu- they're guardians, basically. They're guardians. That's my best explanation of that phenomenon. On, in North America, so. Okay, that's all makes sense. You, you, I mean, ben, what's your take on werewolves? At, you're basically looking at the shaman, like old shaman religions, it's probably the best way of putting it. Um, the most famous ones being the Vikings were renowned for that sort of stuff. Um, taking on embodiment of the bear and the wolf, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's hardly documented. Like the last werewolf sighting in Europe was actually in the UK. Um, okay. That's where the legend said to have died. It's not far from actually where I am. Um, oh. But there so, is, yeah. When it comes to gardening that long, most of them are usually wolves or 
dogs. Obviously, you have the hellhounds that we know in Europe and the UK for guarding graveyards mm. and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, okay, so it's kind of similar, kind of similar in a way. Yeah, guarding graveyards. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we talk about guardians and we talk about that that sort of thing, I mean, I read into werewolves and lichens to see if there are a difference between the two now both obviously transform in the moonlight and as much as people sort of go oh that's cartoon superstition and stuff like that i i i 60 percent of me does believe it happens but lichens are supposed to be more smarter than werewolves aren't they legend has it that werewolf is caused by non-controlled light reflect uh, reflection from the moon and lichens are supposed to be able to change at will. All right, okay. All right. So, when we talk about, obviously, these dog creatures, you can't overlook the fact of the chupacabra. You know, the the Mexican dog thingy. <laughs> this is see, see how far my knowledge goes, Bob. I'm, I'm calling it a dog thingy. <laughs> <laughs> What's your take on the chupacabra? I mean... I mean, explain to me what it is at first, because I just know it as a, a legend, basically. I think I think the chupacabra uh, a lot of times is maybe a, a diseased uh, animal that maybe has mange. Like my son and his friends, for instance, were up on a logging road and they saw a bear, a bear that had mange. And if you've ah. seen an animal without fur, it looks freaky. I mean. It looks like a, 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 you know, a paranormal apparition of some kind of strange creature you've never seen before, you know. So I believe that a lot of the chupacabra um, sightings are are basically animals that are, you know, maybe deformed or diseased or have mange. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I understand, what I've read on it. And uh, I have an uncle that lives in Mexico, and we, we talked about it a little bit. His belief was that it was just like dogs that had, you know, gotten a disease or lost their hair and that kind of thing, and mistaken because if you look at the culture, you know, um, you know, very, very uh, superstitious and very open culture, the Mexican culture, you know, like people are very, uh, you know, one little thing is a sign of the devil, you know, close by and that kind of thing. So yeah. it could very well be mistaken for something else, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have a whole uh, festival dedicated to the dead. So you can understand that they are very open and very superstitious. So it's, it's definitely... But to look at it in that sense, it makes more sense to me that it could be um, a rabid dog with rabies or mange. You know, it, it does make sense. I mean, are there a lot of cryptids out there that are mistaken for something they're not? So, you know, mistaken for, like you said, rabid animals or, you know, because uh, we haven't discovered every single um, subspecies of animal out there anyway. So... Are there a lot of sort of mistaken identities within the cryptid sort of world? Uh, I I believe so, yeah. And I mean, it's easy to, you know, if you saw a bear walking upright, for instance, I'm just going to give you a basic example. You know, black bears walk upright. And if I was hiking and I came around the corner and I saw a black bear walking upright and I just saw a glimpse of it, I mean, the fear in me, you know, and I ran and I only got a glimpse. I could easily mistake that for a Sasquatch. I mean, that's easily understood there. Mm. Um, you know, up north of here, we have the Ogopogo. Um, now, I know you have the Loch Ness Monster, but we have a similar serpent-like creature in a lake up north of here, Lake Okanagan, mm. called the Ogopogo. 
I even know a song and I sing a song uh, from a hundred years ago. It's a kind of a Tin Pan Alley song. It's pretty fun. Uh, but yeah, that goes back a long ways. And so, um, and people have actually have recent videos of the Ogopogo. Um, and I mean, it's like, wow, look at that. I mean, and it's very similar to Loch Ness Monster. I think it's a little smaller, but it has a similarity with the, the humps, you know, that are yeah. floating on the water and a serpentine that can kind of bunch up into humps and that kind of thing. And so there's been so many sightings. The other place that has cryptids that you might be interested in, um, very, a, a lot of sightings at Crater Lake in Oregon. If you ever go to Crater Lake, it's one of the largest lakes in the world. I mean, it's absolutely a beautiful place to go. Uh, but hmm. there are multiple cryptids seen around the lake, including kind of like a, a giant crawdad. I know it sounds fantastic, but go ahead and look look it up on Google. Um, giant crawdad or giant creature at, at Crater Lake. It'll come right up. It's based in the tribal lore there. But there are actual uh, sightings of this giant like crawdad that has come out of the water. People have seen it, you know. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other lore. If we want to go into Crater Lake, I mean, that is that is a goldmine of cryptids and strange phenomenon. So crazy, honestly, man. You're not far either, are you? From uh, was it Twin Twin Peaks? I live in Twin Peaks. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You guys like crazy. Twin Peaks? I don't even know what it is. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Mate, I'm so... my. When it comes to cryptids, I, I literally... It's, it's the main three. Bigfoot, Chubacabra, and Nessie, the Loch Ness. And that is literally as far as my thing, like my brain goes. I remember Ben mentioning something about something like a Mongolian sandworm or something. And, and yes. I was just like... Even him mentioning that was enough to get me to go, right okay <laughs> you know <laughs> your nipples went soft at that moment right <laughs> brilliant bob's, bob's just dropped the mic he's, he's done he's, he's yeah. that was just a boom he's gone <laughs> that's all we got time for this week guys um <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like with twenty six minutes in, and my mind is just—it's gone. I'm like, what? So, what is Nessie then? What is the Loch Ness? What? What's the rumours? What could it be? Hmm. Well, the a lot of the uh, okay. So, what I've read and what I've heard is that um, a lot of people believe that there's a connecting waterway to the sea, and that perhaps this is a you know, a dinosaur that survived to this age. Now, as far as Lake Okanagan, people refer to it as a spiritual being. So again, they're talking about it as a spiritual being. Mm -hmm. um, we also have a two-headed serpent that is in the Puget Sound. The Sisius is a two-headed serpent, which uh, controls the weather. Um, very interestingly enough, now I want to bring this up because you guys are going to love this. Okay, so there's yeah, a yeah. place called Nanaimo. Nanaimo on Vancouver Island and on a rock there's a petroglyph a petroglyph library on a, a beautiful rock in a park in Nanaimo wow. and there is evidence of Viking visitation and so the Vikings were said to have found their way all the way around to the Pacific Northwest a long ass time ago and you can look this up too this is absolutely fascinating 
but they have <clears throat> the, you know, th uh, I believe there was a two-headed dragon, I believe, that was associated with either Thor or Odin. Uh, ben, maybe you can correct me on that. But what I what I remember is that some of the theories are that the Sisyuth, the two-headed serpent that you see in traditional artwork all over Vancouver Island, is influenced by the Viking visitation and the one petroglyph that they left on the rock of Thor's two-headed dragon or something like that. So they interpreted it as a two-headed serpent, and then that became a legend in the Northwest. Have you ever heard that before? No. <laughs> I've ben, heard little you? bits of that. That is a good story. I love that story. That that's that is, yeah, that's mad. Like the Vikings made it all the way over there. Yeah, they, they made on on a historical point of view, they made it to Newfoundland. Um, it was at that point they tried to settle there, but this is a story I absolutely love because uh, they all got scared away by a Native American woman. Basically, they abandoned Sark because this, this red-skinned devil came charging at them with the ferocity of... Um, I remember what they described, but basically, the woman was crazy. They basically killed her, hus her husband, and this Native American basically picked up two axes and ran towards them. The Vikings panicked, thinking it was a devil, uh, devil slash demon from the other side and just abandoned camp. They never went back. Ever. <laughs> what? I'm telling you, I'll bet you any money, right? That woman just realised that she just bought a new skirt from the store and realised she'd lost the receipt and that's why she charged them. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> they literally abandoned sight, never went back. So if you want to look this up specifically, um, there there is a petroglyph that is a circle with a bearded face in it that looks like Odin and, you know, with one eye because he lost mm -hmm. an eye. And so on the East Coast, they found petroglyphs uh, that have the circle around the bearded face. But on the West Coast and on, in Nanaimo, they find the bearded face without the circle around it. But it's so similar. They're like, wow, this has to be connected. And as you know, people don't have full beards here. You know, like, you know, indigenous people don't grow full beards. So it was a big clue. It's a big clue. It still hasn't been proven. But, man, it, you know, there's a lot of research that could be done about that petroglyph library at Nanaimo. So, yeah. what's, the, what's the difference between a petroglyph and a hieroglyph? I know I'm going to sound really stupid now, but what's the difference between the two? <laughs> hieroglyphs has a language behind it. Petroglyphs is a, basically a drawing. Ah, uh, right, okay. Hieroglyphs right. are what you see in Egypt where you can read what's going on. A petroglyph is a picture of what was going on. Oh right. Now that see now it makes sense. Now it makes sense. I'm up, I'm up with it now. I've just caught up. I've just caught up. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> now this conversation is, is crazy, but we've got to go to a quick advert break. So when we come back after the adverts, we're gonna to speak to Ben and Bob about some of the more crazier cryptids that are out there. So all the listeners that are locked in, keep it locked in and don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this short ad break. Pulse Talk Radio, the place to come for talk shows about the paranormal. Sponsored by the Psychic Clinic, empowering self-healing. Thepsychicclinic.com. Do you enjoy the Other Dimensions show? Do you want more from the boys? Do you need that one more show? Well, have we got a treat for you? 
head over to www.patreon.com and become an official patron of the show. For just £3 a month you get a weekly bonus episode. This bonus episode can only be heard on Patreon by the true ODDs, so don't miss out. www.patreon.com forward slash the other dimension and sign up today. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yes, I am. What? Man, oh, oh, and we're back. <laughs> Do you know what, man? This conversation, seriously, I could talk about this all night. This, I'm all about this, man, I tell you. Um, <laughs> so let's get into some more of the crazier side of things. I've got to send a massive shout out to Vonnie who's locked in. Great to have a locked in. Um, one of our regulars. And out to um, massive shout out to Christian, our new Patreon. And also out to Helen as well, our new Patreon. It's great to have you on board. Now, shout I want to get to the PA. The PA oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. We've got to do Try this. Everybody, Louise, Louisa is Ben's missus. So if you hear her on a show, Ben is not going to be far behind, okay? So just remember that from now on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Big shouts out to the PA doing a, a great job tonight. Great job. <laughs> but now, I want to get into the more crazier cryptids. Now, we know about the big three. I'm on the second half of the show. So, Bob... Ben, hit me with some crazy knowledge about some crazy cryptids that I won't have heard of, which ain't hard, but go for it. <laughs> you want me to start or you want to go? No, uh, on is yours, Bob. On is yours. All right. All right. Okay. So there is something called the hide behind. Now, in this area, they call it the Tenerife. Now, the hide behind is something that has a taste for human flesh and in the woods uh if the hide behind is behind your back uh when you turn to the right it turns to the left and so you can never see it directly and when you turn to the left it turns to the right and if you do look straight at it it can stretch its body like a worm behind a tree trunk and it can just be as thin as a little tree and so in the old logging camps, they used to say, um, because the, the hide behind liked the taste of intestines, human intestines especially. And so they'd say, drink up, boys, because it didn't like the taste of alcohol. So you'd saturate your guts with whiskey, and then you wouldn't be eaten by the hide behind because they were allergic to alcohol. So that is a very strange cryptid. Uh, you can look that up in the fearsome critters of the American uh, Paul Bunyan tales, that kind of thing. But supposedly it's based on uh, real encounters. Uh, there's wow. also the Wendigo, the Wendigo. Do you know about the Wendigo, Ben? You want to take oh, over on that one? That, I, I was going to mention it, but my brain's just gone flat now with all the information. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> Mate, I've been that way. Since the beginning of the show. I ain't going to lie to you, right? <laughs> I've been that way since the beginning of the show. What? The Windigo is like an awesome one, but my brain's just flat. I remember the name, but my brain's just flat out. Bob, help him out. <laughs> okay, all right. So the Wendigo is known, especially with the Cree 
and the Dene people. My wife is Dene, uh, especially in Canada, the Wendigo. And Wendigo, like the, it's basically related to the hide behind. They, they are connected. In yeah. fact, uh, in fact, they think that some of the early lumberjacks or loggers that came to the East Coast were influenced by the Wendigo legend. And it's a state of cannibalism. And so um, there is something uh, to if you have a taste for human flesh and you begin to consume human flesh as a human being in the Cree belief, you actually transform into the Wendigo. You actually grow horns out of your head. And I mean, you turn into the Wendigo and I know that's crazy, but that is, that's the story. That's the story. I'll tell you one more here. That's really, really fun. And we're on the, we're on the subject of cannibalism. So why don't we just go with cannibalism? Let's just keep going with it. Um, So on the mountain right behind me, there's a cave and the story goes that Dashkaya lived in this cave and Dashkaya is this giant ogress woman with a giant potato sized nose and the snot is always running out of her nose and she loves oh. eat children she loves children she loves to eat children so every summer she comes down out of the cave and she picks berries just like strangers with candy and she'll say <laughs> hey you want some juicy berries little girl and then when that little child is reaching for the berries she grabs them oh. by the hair and then she stuffs them in her basket on her back. And then she clubs them in the head, knocks them out. She Sick. takes them back up to her mountain cave. And then on her left foot, she has a toenail that she never clips. And so that toenail, it grows about a foot long. And she sharpens that toenail just like a knife. And she uses that toenail to dismember the children and eat them. The end. Wow. Thank you. basically basically that cryptoid is like every politician that we have in the uk (laughs) (laughs) or or it's like every sort of 30 year old that grew up watching rainbow (laughs) (laughs) oh joe what man seriously blowing my mind honestly like it, it almost has that sort of ring of Hansel and Gretel, doesn't it? You know, the whole, you know, entice the child and, and yeah, man, it's, it's crazy to think a lot of cryptoids are based within fairy tales, aren't they? Yeah. And then reality, you have what's, you have what's known as, well, I call it the fall of information. So you go from something that's reality based Mm. and then it becomes sort of a legend then it becomes a myth, then it becomes folklore. And somewhere in between that escalate down, information's added. So you could quite easily have had this sort of thing real. Yeah. But over the years, obviously, it's become more of a, more of a story, More then it's gone to more of a campfire story, and so on and so on. Yeah. No, I mean, I so, agree. Always, I've always said to people, always take myths and stuff like that and folklore, always take it with a pinch of salt because at one point in time, it would have actually been true. Yeah, definitely. I mean, some people would even say that you're sort of, with this, like you're saying, like the mythos moving into like, you know, legend and, and moving, it's almost like chaos magic like we talk about on here, like the revelation of the, of the method. Do you know what I mean? Just to 
we'll uh, bring a question up from Discord. Um, mm -hmm. Ronnie's put up, uh, are cryptoids just like folklore? And yeah, I, I don't know about you, Bob, in the state, but you always seem to find that folklore does connect to cryptoids a lot of the time. Yes, and I think that um, just like a tulpa or whatever, you can manifest, you could create a story. Uh, we, I think there are, there is a phenomenon where you can create a story and then manifest it. So if enough people believe in something, it actually will manifest. So there's yeah. there's that to talk about as well. Um, so for thousands of years, if you talk about a certain creature, and then you'll have all these sightings all over the countryside, that kind of thing. And like a tulpa, I think I'm saying that correctly, um, it, it's sort of like we manifest it with our minds or our spirit, that kind of thing. Would you like to elaborate more on that, Ben? Yeah, you, I think you can get that with with demonology. You can get that if you um, if you keep mentioning the name of a certain demonic that they gain their power from it and eventually break through what, what's known as breaching through the veil, where they will eventually come onto this realm and they've gained their abilities and power from past work. So you can there is actually documentation of that actually happening a lot of the time when it comes to demonics and spirits and stuff like that. The name of something can keep things fully alive. Mm. I mean, if you look at the teachings of um, Madame Helena Blavatsky as well, she talked about um, being able to manifest um, entities through uh, mind thought and mechanics like that using PK energy. So yeah. I'm getting on board with you guys, 100. percent You can manifest things based on. It's almost like like Alistair Crowley says, like, do what thou wilt, you know, it's almost like, you know, if you can think it, it can be created, almost. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same as uh, if you go back to a really, really old folklore in this country. Um, Bob, I'll be surprised if you heard it in America, and Damon, I'll be surprised if you've even heard of it at all. <laughs> um, it's more of a farmer's old folklore that if it rains on May Day, it will rain for 40 days. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Oh, God, I'm sure. Never heard of that. Yeah, it's it's an old farmer's folktale that if it rains on May Day, it will rain for 40 days and root crops. Now, it's an old, a really old folklore story, but my mum happens to know, and I happen to know as well, a few farmers that still stick to it this day that they are oh, petrified if it rains on May Day. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. Like we we are we are a, a race of people that are, are, are sort of stooped in folklore and legend. Yeah, but like you said, Ben, these legends have to have come from somewhere. You see, if you're playing a game of Chinese Whispers, it has to start at the beginning. Whether it's more embellished or more sort of exaggerated towards the end of the Chinese Whispers games. It doesn't matter. It, it, the the legend started somewhere, doesn't it? Yeah. The best one I have is in the building trade, which I love to this day. Is oh it's uh, it's bad luck to walk under a ladder. Hundred well, percent. Yeah, because we drop stuff off ladders. Builders aren't exactly the most tidiest people. We, we always <laughs> drop stuff. So yeah, common sense became folklore. Don't walk under a ladder. Oh it's yeah. bad luck. Sense. I mean, yeah, it's also it's like um, yeah, when you look at it as well, it's like uh, you're not allowed to cross on the stairs. That's another one. And that's all to do with like, you know, 
transitioning from one plane to another when you talk about like moving into limbo you're not allowed to cross on the stairs it's bad luck I mean it, it has to be the legend has to start somewhere that's what I'm trying to get at yeah. but Ben you said there's a couple of cryptids that you wanted to bring up tonight to see if you could sort of uh, spin Bob's head even though you both have spun <laughs> my head already so <laughs> go for it <laughs> one of the main ones one of the main ones is I, I think Bob already knows about this because I ramble a lot about it because I love it which is the Mongolian death worm. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah, the, this Mongolian death worm is, and I, I swear to you, if you go out, out to Mongolia in the Gobi Desert, they literally swear by, and this is both Mongolia and China, swear by this this cryptoid being there. That It basically resembles the worm from Doom. Yeah. Uh, going back a couple of years with the film Doom. Mm-hmm. And it can shoot uh, shoot electric out, and it stuns its prey with this electric, and then eats them. Crazy, Bob. You heard that? I have. Yeah, that's very very cool. And the and the movie Dune uh, was directed by David Lynch, who happened to be the same director who directed Twin Peaks here in my hometown. So there's a little connection there with David Lynch. I love David Lynch. Good good director. Yeah. The other one, and I forget the name of it. Uh, you might know this, Bob, a bit more. Is it's the hounds that are said to go around with Bigfoot? The hounds. Yeah, mm. I've heard a few cases of it about Bigfoot supposedly having some uh, in certain areas having hounds that do its bidding for hunting. Hmm. I've actually never heard that. What part of the country did you hear that from? <sighs> I'm trying to think. It was on a TV show called. Um, oh. Mountain monsters. Huh, really? And they you want they were on about it on there. They they supposedly caught one, but I don't know how true that one is. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it, right. it was quite a few with that. But they like went out with their then, nets and their stun guns. Yeah. <laughs> My other favourite one, but I know for a fact Bob would have heard this because I kind of got a bit silly with this one, is the Thunderbird in America. What? Oh, yeah. There's something called a Thunderbird. Thunderbird and the Mothman are like two of my favourites in America. Oh, no, I've heard of Mothman. I've heard of Mothman. He lives on the bridge or something, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. The Mm. Thunderbird is one of my favourite ones. Uh, uh, Tell me about it, because this this is proper intriguing. I'm I'm all about this. Want me to talk about the Thunderbird? Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm just trying to dig up the memory in my head. I can't remember if it's East Coast. It's it's more central into America. This one. It's all actually the all planes. over. The, the oh, Thunderbird is, is found in every corner of of the continent. So, um, so yeah, in this area, the Thunderbird is very prevalent in the art traditional art. Um, yeah. The Puget Sound, Chief Seattle, Chief Seattle. I'm in Seattle. Um, Chief Seattle's spirit power uh, was the Thunderbird or Thunder Beings. And uh, I have a lot of uh, experiences uh, with with that uh, supernatural uh, element, I guess you'd say, uh, supernatural beings. Thunder. Be- they say thunder beings a lot of times, and what they're referring to are thunderbirds. But yeah, in the Southwest for sure, absolutely Southwest, New Mexico, Arizona, um, for sure. And then uh, East Coast has it, Iroquois, Algonquin. They have a they have a version of the thunderbird. Yeah, you find it all over. It's sort of like you know, this is very interesting because. If you look at the function of the Thunderbird, it is very similar to the function of the dragon. 
And not only the function of the dragon in like Southeast Asia, for instance, but also the function of the dragon in say Europe and parts of like Russia and that kind of thing. So I'll give you a specific example, um, which I found was just mind blowing. Uh, So in the Pacific Northwest, there is a motif of repeating triangles around a border. This is in the Salish culture and it represents thunder and lightning and it represents protection and it represents the thunder beings, right? So if you go to Southeast Asia, if you go to like Laos and Cambodia, but you go among the Hmong people, H-M-O-N-G, they have a similar, almost, I mean, it's exact actually. It's the exact symbol that borders their traditional tapestries, their story cloths. And what does it mean? It represents thunder and lightning. It represents protection of the village. And in their case, the dragon shoots lightning from its mouth and fire, of course, but lightning. But over here, the thunderbird shoots lightning and fire from its mouth and protects the longhouses, the village. So it just kind of tells you we are cousins, you know, we're all related. And there was there was, uh, you know, travel across the Pacific Ocean for sure. People were uh, related to each other. So there you go crazy you've got the you've got the myths aren't you of the land bridge when it comes to the arctic that they reckon that's where a lot of the ancient tribes crossed over and stuff like that Um, dna DNA patterning makes uh, if i remember correctly the native americans share would be classed as cousins when it comes to the mongolians due to the dna pattern yes actually and my wife her tribe dene again they're, they're sort of like the Jew, Jewish culture of North America, but they are the only group that the scientists have proven that DNA link to Mongolia. Yeah. There's a valley, there's a valley uh, that starts with the letter Y in Siberia that they have like 70 words that are identical in the same language as to my wife's tribe here. And then they've also linked the DNA. And that is the only... Uh, that's the main tribe that they've proven beyond a shadow of a doubt is the Dene people um, to Siberia. So it's pretty cool. But yeah, it happens to be happens to be my wife's tribe that if you look that study up, you'll see you'll see that information. I can't remember the name of the valley, but I know it was like 70 words were shared the language. So they proved it linguistically and then they proved it physically of the connection and then back and forth. The, the story is that they went back and forth. So very fascinating. I, I love that stuff, man. Yeah. I love it. Mad. I'm blown I away, man. <laughs> I think we've killed him, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> like my, yeah. My jaw is resting on the table, and I'm like trying to find. <laughs> I'm trying to take it all in. It's, it's crazy. I, I've got to ask, though. Are you trembling right now? In fear and awe? Yeah, definitely. I mean, my presence I'm... is too much for you. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. He's Bob going man, for it. The, Bob's brilliant. The legend's like there. It. That's it now. Yeah, man. I just That's do it. what I do. I don't know. <laughs> do you know what? But like, we have this thing. Like, I have this thing called the Mount Rushmore of shows of people that come on the show, and you, mate, you have taken top spot straight away, hundred percent. Um, oh God. <laughs> I've got our ass though. How does cryptids link to the Fae? This is where I am struggling with the crossover. Are are they the same thing, or are they not? Or what's your take on that? Well, I've I've 
talked with Steve Ward um, and a few other uh, uh, researchers from like the Midwest, and they have pointed out that a lot of the fairy tales or uh, encounters with little people where you go under the mountain, you know, leprechauns and whatnot are almost identical to UFO abductions. And so um, in a lot of the hypno, you know, hypnotic uh, records that they've like, they've put someone on hypnosis and asked them questions about their UFO abduction. Um, many things have come up that were similar to fairy encounters from like, you know, the 1700s, 1800s, whatever. And there are so many parallels. In fact, uh, there was a UFO sighting where uh, one of the occupants came down and had a belt buckle and looked like a leprechaun and came out of a UFO. And I mean, there are, there are so many parallels. I swear to God, there are. You can look this up. It's crazy. And then the other one was the queen. There's like a queen. Like, so I, I, I think I'm right in saying this. Uh, in European stories, a lot of times you'll go under the mountain and you'll meet, you know, you'll go into the fairy world or the leprechaun world or whatever. And then there's this queen. You meet this queen. And so yeah. in some of the UFO uh, encounters where people have been abducted, they've described a very similar elongated elfin queen that they they talk to and negotiate with and in fact some of the the things the objects that they're holding and holding out you know in the old days they would describe them as as a wand but in the hmm. new days you know in the ufo lore they're describing it as a like a piece of technology so i would encourage you folks to look at the parallels between uh, ufo abductions and and fairy tales uh, it's very prevalent definitely definitely yep and I mean, another one that I sort of, I feel has sort of that that crossover is the like the, the ancient Greeks speak a lot about cryptids. You know, you have things like Pegasus, you have things like the Hydras. I mean, how does that sort of compare to nowadays? Is that what like we was talking about? How legends have turned into folklore have turned into and sort of moved along i mean are there such things as pegasus are there such things as hydras do these things sort of exist nowadays are there signs of them i don't know ben it's all you bud <laughs> <laughs> cheers man <laughs> you, do, you, do get, you do get the old signs of it um you do get like you just have to look at dog breeds for example you breed two different dog types you got a new brand new breed yeah um, one of the, the more funny things is, and this is going more into the Viking thing, and this probably will make people laugh because I bring this up a lot now at Viking shows, mm. is the unicorn being the most mythical creature going. Everyone knows about a unicorn. Yeah. Now, this was started by the Vikings when they were trading in the Middle East. Right. Basically, this horn that they were selling, this unicorn horn, um, we would now know it nowadays as, um, oh, what's the name of the body creature? Narwhal. Basically, oh, yeah. a narwhal horn. Yeah. Now, to oh. the Vikings, these were dead, easily ready available. They'd just pretty much go out to sea, kill it, take it home, eat it, and have the horn. They were taking that to the Middle East and flogging it as basically a, a unicorn horn. Oh my God. So they were literally the most conniver selling uh, selling people <laughs> going in the world of buy this unit you, this comes from a magical horse with <laughs> buy it quality i didn't you know what i didn't know narwhals exist i thought they were just in like christmas 
films. No. <laughs> oh, man. What? Oh, my head hurts. <laughs> don't, don't, what? <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> oh. My oh, groin what? hurts. <laughs> oh mate see see like i just i don't know i don't know see my my, my speciality is like demonic demonology and conspiracy that, that that's my thing cryptids nah i mean i, I just, we've got about four minutes left for the show right and i just want to get one more thing from bob i want to know his take on mermaids and mermen right do they exist and is it another case of mistaken identity? Are they just like really human-looking seals or something? Yeah, that's hard to say. Um, could be mistaken identity, um, but again, there are there are legends in this area of you know fish people and that kind of thing. Um, so you know you can't you can't cast out any belief. You know, I always respect. I have a tendency, and we have a tendency to whoever we're working with, we we take it seriously, and we want to respect those ancient beliefs and. I think it's possible. Mm. I mean, I don't have any answers for you if yes or no, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt. But I do yeah. know that I respect beliefs and I, you know, I don't, you know, shrug it off as BS. You know, I always like to respect those those beliefs. And I know in Ireland, um, maybe you can elaborate a little bit, uh, but there's something, is it the silky? Am I getting that correct? Is that something to uh, tie yeah. with the mermaid, the silky? Yeah, and I'm, I love those stories, so. Um, you know, and I'm I'm part Irish. You know, my family comes from uh, County Antrim, and um, so I've got that heritage, and I, I sure love those stories. But don't know if they're true or not. I lose the best one to talk to. That our our uh, PA, she come work with that quicker than any of us when she went. She went, yeah, pronounced it right. So she beat everyone to the punch on that one. <laughs> I mean, I'm half Irish as well. My um my mum was born. I wasn't born. She, she she grew up in Hoth, which is just outside Dublin. And when we talk about oh. Ireland as well, it is one of the the countries that are completely steeped in folklore and legend. I mean, you have anything from leprechauns to banshees um, to bottomless lakes. Um, when I went over there to visit some distant family, we visited um, the Giant's Causeway, which is the all the stones that are shaped perfectly like fifty pence pieces, and it was all done naturally. Um, and the Bottomless Lake as well, which is, I can't remember what it's called, but it's where they film Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, Ireland's a fascinating place, and it's just full of cryptids, full of cryptids, full of folklore. Um, yeah, and it's, it's it's definitely one of them places where, if you're into cryptids, you'll find, it seems to be to me that America are the main ones for cryptids. You know, these guys... Guys like you, Bob, and guys like um, I can't remember his name now, um, because I I've watched a, pro a program about him and he he is like the he he's, he's the one that done the, the Mothman stuff. That's how I'd heard of Mothman, um, about oh. suppose it's a bridge and Mothman's on this bridge, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just crazy all this stuff that we've been talking about tonight. I mean, I'd love to get Bob back on the show. I'd like to sort of get into more of the cryptid stuff because it, it's just amazing, Bob. Honestly, you've been such a great guest tonight, and oh, it's completely blown my mind, mate. Honestly, it's fantastic. Told you, Bob is a legend. Sorry, Bob, I've <laughs> spent I've spent months bigging you up. I'm like. 
the biggest fan of you and just been begging you all more and more. <laughs> Thanks so much. No, it's true. You lived up to it. Honestly, absolutely lived up to it. Um, but yeah, we've only got like a couple of minutes left on the show. Bob, if there's anything that you want to advertise, anything you want to tell the listeners out there, how they can grab hold of you, if you've got any books or any websites, I'm going to hand it over to you now and just read them off and let people know where they can find you. Okay, yeah. So if you go on Amazon Kindle, we have a book. My wife and I wrote a book called The Odd Man Up. And there's a whole bunch of cryptid sightings and paranormal and um, these are all true stories and these are encounters from this area. It's a 300 page book. It's called the odd man up and you can find it on Kindle. We also have a Patreon. Uh, it's called hidden Northwest tours. So we do exclusive content. Uh, you know, we also uh, study true crime. So crime scenes, uh, we revisit cold cases, serial killers. You know, we go into detail with some of that. We talk to the officers involved as much as we can get information um, some of these unsolved crimes, you can still solve them. I mean, they're, the evidence is still there. And if we can help, uh, that's great. So Hidden Northwest Tours on Patreon. You can also find us on uh, Facebook, Hidden Northwest Tours. You can find me, Bob Antone, uh, on Facebook or Instagram. And uh, we're on social media. So, yeah, look us up. Brilliant. True crime. My other guilty pleasure. I'm telling you that now. Oh. It's, it's amazing, Bob. Like, you agree with me here. How paranormal right and true crime and conspiracies they all seem to link in it's crazy in it yep definitely yep. Yep. we have but, a responsibility um, to get it right too for sure yeah yep 100% and um, we're going to contain all of bob's links in the show notes below so if you're picking this up on podcast if you're picking this up on patreon all the links will be below so make sure you check them out um bob once again, thank you for coming along. You have been an amazing guest. Thank you. Yep. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Brilliant. Loved it. Ben, is there anything you'd like to add? No, Bob's just an absolute legend and always will be. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank, you thank you for stepping in. Thank you for stepping in. You're asking in the post. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a great show really enjoyed it but that's all we've got time for this week so don't forget guys if you head over to our patreon patreon.com forward slash the other dimension find all the shows on there we're available on all the podcast websites um loads more coming up from us we won't be here next week next week um we'll be doing a pre-recorded show because it is my birthday and me and Dre, me and ben are going to be getting absolutely hammered on milk vodka so that's what's going to be happening <laughs> so so don't forget this week the next week we will not be live but that's up that's it from us that's it from us so we're all going to say bye ben goodbye from me goodbye brilliant so long (laughs) he's brilliant and don't forget guys if there is no other explanation there is always the other dimension joining us on this journey into the world of the paranormal. Don't forget if you missed the show, it will be available on our podcast. Just search The Other Dimension wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you have any questions about the show, or you wish to contact the show with your own experiences, just head over to the Facebook group at www.facebook.com 
forward slash T O D paranormal. Ha, 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 ha.